If you were here at uh, first Wednesday, you heard that song. I'm proud of you because uh, it, it snowed Wednesday. I don't know if you noticed. And we had a packed house for first Wednesday. So I'm so proud. I'm like a, I'm like a proud mama hen. Give yourselves, you know you're clapping for yourselves. Give yourselves a hand. You guys have been great. I'm here all night. Try the veal. All right. Um, I'm so glad you guys are here. We're starting a kind of a new mini series about money. So don't be mad. Um, your wife asked me to preach it. All right. Um, uh, this morning, maybe you don't know, but we're opening up new kids space in El next door. Uh, for, so anyways, that's, uh, that's awesome. They're just exploring those spaces now. And so that's going to be great. Um, Oh, there's so much I want to say. I'm going to get into uh, into preaching about money. Um, now, my parents, um, back in the day, I think it'd be about 1980, 1980, they both had incredible careers um, that they ended up leaving because they felt that God had a call on their lives to do something that wasn't, um, I think, predictable in that sense. Now, my dad was in the grain business, which used to be a thing. Um, uh, it still is a thing, but he was handling, you know, at the time up to the third largest amounts of grain in all of Alberta out of a town of 500 people. And so he was extremely successful um, in wage and price controls where you weren't even allowed to get a raise. They kept reclassifying him and doubling his salary every year just to give him more money. Uh, my mom's mom was probably the, the premier school teacher of the entire region. And my mom came into that uh, in her career as well. And, um, and so... When I was little, they made a decision to do what God told them to do, which meant at the time moving to California and giving up incredible careers. And not that you should do that. You're like, yes, I've been wanting to quit. <laughs> Don't quit. Don't go work at McDonald's. Like you gotta feed your family, work at McDonald's if you don't have five kids. But there's something that they taught me about life that I'm so glad that they did. Everything that you see here in this church exists because they didn't fall for the lie that um, they didn't fall for the lie that security comes from what you make. Thanks, John. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about budget, uh, money part one, money part two, budget part one, budget part two. Matthew chapter six, Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And then he says something here that we've misread for years. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Now, I grew up in church. Um, some of you grew up in church. A lot of you didn't grow up in church. So if, if you didn't grow up in church, you wouldn't have like misunderstood this. Um, what we always thought in church was that wherever your heart is, there your treasure will be also. But that's not what it says. It says wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Meaning, meaning... You have control over your heart by where you put your treasure. You think about your investment. We could look at the line items on your budget, and we're going to. We snuck in to your finances and your bank statements. We're going to put them up here. And if we did, we didn't. We're not that kind of a church. Is there that kind of a church? Um, if we did, though, we'd be able to tell what you love. And so there's good news about this, but as we're preaching about money, you have to understand that it's emotional for you. It's emotional for me because it's really a heart issue. And we're always in this stage now in Canada. We're like, don't tell me about my heart. You know, like my heart does what it wants. It feels what it wants. And, and Jesus is saying, no, actually you can have control of that. In fact, you can decide where to put your heart and where to invest in and how all of that works. Today's gonna to be very practical about budget. I'm gonna get into things like generosity as the series moves on, um, but money issues are heart issues. Expect today's sermon to be a little bit emotional. 
Um, and Jesus goes on to say, and why worry about your clothing, laden? Verse 28. It says it right there. In, in, why worry about your clothing, laden? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't worry. Uh, they don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Okay, money is a heart issue and money is a faith issue. And so I think we could work on the, on the money, but as we work on the money, understand that God is trying to work on your heart and work on your faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the evidence of things, you know, it's believing in something you can't see and God bringing about a different and better reality to you and the people that are around you. Then it says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. So he's saying, if you're an unbeliever, if you don't believe that Jesus is the way to life, you haven't been adopted into the family, you will worry about these things. That's normal. But he said, Christian, your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Like, don't worry about the things that everybody around you is worrying about. Why would you do that? Then he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Say amen to the word of God. That's good. Now, my approach to money is I'm talking about our finances and budget and things like that. I'm going to approach it like I approach it with my daughters at home. So I'm just a straight shooter, but we have enough history of trust here that, that they don't, when I'm like, Hey, so here's what is a good budget spend. Here's what a bad budget spend is. They don't look at me and they're like, what do you want next? Dad probably going to want me to give to the church. You know, they don't like approach me like that because with us, we have learned because of the training that my father gave us about money, my father and mother, that for us, money is not emotional anymore because it's just a tool. So money can either be a tool that moves your heart in the directions that God wants it to go, or you can be the tool. And so with us, there's just no... They're not looking at me like, oh, so you want me to invest in this? So you think I should buy that kind of a car? Oh yeah, what do you want to take from me? No, 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 it's not what we want to take. It's what, it's what God wants to, to give to you. And so you have to just, um, if you just kind of say yes ahead of time, then as we get into the budget stuff, it'll, it'll sort of make a little more sense. Now, asking for more with a leaky budget is wasteful. And God is not wasteful. So today's sermon is called Budget Leaks. Um, sometimes we spend God, all this time asking God for a leaky budget. What, what I think we should be doing, or for asking God for a leaky budget. My head's all over the place today. Um, we're asking God for more when God's like, if I give you more, then you're going to waste more. And that's not honoring to me. And that's not good stewardship of what you have. Rather pray that God would show you in today's sermon where your budget is leaking so that you can honor God more so that God can get you the true treasures of heaven that he really wants to get you. So um, there's two main reasons the budget leaks. Uh, the first one, and uh, today a lot of it's going to be about emotional spends. I'm going to tell you about my emotional spends. I'm going to tell you about Pastor Aaron's emotional spends. Um, I forgot to ask her about this, but I preached about it before. So we're just going to say that that's cool. Um, we all have emotional spends. So that's the number one reason that your budget leaks is emotional spending. And when I'm emotional about it, I get very logical about it. Meaning I can find an argument. I'm so good at arguing. I can make up an argument on both sides of the argument. But if I decide I want to spend something and I decide it's bright and shiny and I need it, I will make up, you will hear, I will have a top 10 list of reasons why I should buy it. Because when you're emotional about it, you will make up a reason for it. Okay, and the second reason that budgets leak is this, you don't have one. You say you do, because I've never talked to anybody who's like, I don't have a budget, I'm terrible with money. 
You shouldn't give me anything. You know, you never talk to people like that. Some people are that honest, you know. But it's like you just don't have one, meaning you've never actually written it down. You've never actually, um, you've never actually put what you make and what you owe and what you're buying. You never like put them in two columns and see if it ends up as red or black. And then every month, I think some people enjoyed the adrenaline heart attack panic when the credit card bill comes in every single month. And then money issues, because I'm going to preach about money issues because I don't want, like marriage is hard enough today. Raising kids is hard enough. Throw a financial problem on top of all of that. And I'll bet you that you decrease your chances of success in the things that matter in your friendships. It just adds weight to everything. You wake up thinking about money and God in heaven is like, why are my kids waking up thinking about money? Oh, I'll write some stuff down so that they can follow my financial plan so that I can get... I can open the windows of heaven and I can bless them with so much blessing that they can't even contain it. But he won't do that unless you're disciplined in your spending because if he blesses you with blessings that you can't contain, you spend it all on yourself. Okay, just say amen, but it's going to get worse. Like, um, You've never written anything down, you don't have a budget, or you don't have good budget on your phone and you track your money. And I'm going to talk about that in a second here because everything, every time I buy a coffee at Starbucks, she gets to see that. So I'm putting somebody's kids through college. Um, but then I get heck for my wife for it. Okay. Now ignoring a budget leak. You ready? This is funny. Ignoring a budget leak is like getting stabbed in consumer alley and not looking where you're bleeding because it's scary. And then you go back into consumer alley and buy another sweater and just soak it up. You know what I'm saying? It, like you just like, I don't want to look at it. It's going to be bad. I just don't want to look at this, at this knife wound that I just stabbed myself with, with uh, this purchase, mostly an emotional purchase. And not looking at it is really what keeps you from moving on it. Cause you know, if you'd have to look at it, then you'd actually have to do it. And so today I just want to give you a little bit of courage to be able to uh, take a look at it. Uh, Jesus says uh, in, in the gospel of Luke, um, is there anyone here who planning to build a new house? So he's talking to, you got to understand the, the context of Israel at the time. Um, planning to build a new house doesn't first sit down and figure the cost. So you'll know if you can complete it. If you only get the foundation laid and then run out of money, you're going to look pretty stupid, like foolish. Everyone passing by will poke fun at you. He started something he couldn't finish. So the reason that we buy a lot of things is because of image. But understand that, that sooner or later, the very people you're trying to impress is, are going to look at you and be like, he keeps building all these foundations of things and never finishing anything because he keeps running out of money because he's emotionally spending and not planning. Right. And so the very people that you're trying to impress one day will be like, yeah, no, I, they, they spend too much money. They just, you know, their house is too big. Their car is too big. Their boat is too big. Whatever that looks like for you. Now, Jesus is talking to a society. You've got to think about this because in your society today, like there's food banks. There was nothing like that back then. There was no like debt wipeout. This whole reset thing, man, pay your dang bills. Like why should everybody in the nation have to pay them? But there was nothing like that. There was like, hey, if you racked up student loans, you had to like pay them off. And if you couldn't pay them off, there'd be a time limit to the person that you made that vow to. There was no social. There was no like EI. There was nothing of this. If you ran out of food, you died. So he's like, none of you guys would ever think of doing that. But then I think he's looking at Canada right now. And he's like, everybody here has no business brain because you have bailouts. Like you literally have some place to go to get food today. But, but he's saying, you guys, you guys know that you would sit down and count the cost of this because the only other solution back then, if you didn't count the cost, and so like it's pretty good motivation to budget, is like, I don't want to sell my kids into slavery. That's the only option that was left open to them if they owed too much money for too long. 
And so, um, so, but as, I, as, I'm, as I'm going around and we're just like looking at the financial scene right now, and I think that this is a good time to get your finances under control because inflation is skyrocketing. And here's what I want to promise you, that the economy around us doesn't have to affect us inside the house of God. Isaac sowed in the land of famine and reaped a hundredfold, a hundred times, no chemicals back then in a land of famine where nobody else got a crop. He sowed seed and God blessed him. So God's economy inside the house of God is always, it always supersedes the other economy, but it depends which economy you want to play in. Right. And so I know you got to work out there, but you can work out there and be blessed supernaturally by what God wants to do in your life. And our lives are a testament to that. Now, as Scott and I were uh, driving around town one time, we always look at the startup restaurants and, uh, and I love restaurants, but I think most restaurants are started up by cooks who are tired of working for other cooks. And as they're doing these build outs, cause we both come from building, right? As they do these build outs, we're like, how many hundreds of thousands of dollars did that particular one cost? How long, like a 10 year lease? Do they have any idea how much it's, have they ever sat down? Have they ever done something? You're thinking of doing a business venture. Go and buy somebody who's done it a hundred dollar steak and look at their books and actually crunch the dang numbers to see if you're going to be working for free or if you're going to work for 10 years and owe your house too. And I'm like, cause Jesus is like, nobody here would like set out to build something and not actually crunch the numbers, right? They had to, but we don't have to anymore. So what you have to do is you artificially have to apply the pressure to yourself and be like, I need to sit down. And you know, it's like, it's like every Christian who likes coffee, who's like, I want to do a coffee shop. And I'm like, I hope you're good at business because you're going to have to sell like a thousand cups of coffee a day. And after a thousand cups of coffee or whatever the number is every day, like not just like one day, every day or whatever you got to sell just to pay the bills. I'm like, I won't like coffee anymore. You might love coffee. You might not love coffee if you're not good at business. Like there's this idea of counting the cost. Um, there was a, a, an exercise studio in town that we heard spent a million dollars on a build out plus a lease. I'm like, did they ever sit down and actually figure out how many memberships they'd have to sell. And if the building could even handle that many memberships just to pay the bill off, let alone make any money. And what's the return on investment? Come on, somebody start watching Shark Tank here. It's this idea of like, okay, so we make fun of people like that because we can see it on other restaurant clothes. But what happens in your finances is that the only people who see it really are your family. Because you move to a different neighborhood with a smaller house that you can't afford. Anyways. Now, here's the most expensive uh, spending mistake I ever made. Oh, it's going to get good. Um, you know what? And here's the thing about it. Um, I spent $200,000 on a um, bunch of tacos. No. That'd be awesome. Wouldn't it be awesome? Oh, so many tacos. Um, I spent $200,000 on a house renovation in a small town uh, from where we came from. And that was back when money was worth something. Um, so that was quite a considerable amount of money. Now, here's what I would say. Because we give a tenth of our income back to the Lord, we always give more than that. But because we do that, I think God covered my... It was a big mistake in that town. It was a huge mistake. But actually, God gave that back to me. And God actually caused me to make a little on that as well. And so, because God sometimes covers his kids because he's good. But you have to place yourself in the place of blessing for him to actually be able to do that. Because he won't do it if you're just wasteful and, you know... Um, so it was, um, um, I think, a, a, lack of, a bit of a lack of judgment. We see, we thought that we were going to live there for forever, and then we ended up moving, you know, a few years uh, after that. So um, my budget for that building wasn't one. 
I was just like, if it's bright and shiny, I want it. And um, so I had like the boiler system. Josh, you would have loved this. It was like the, it was one of those IBC whatevers back when they came out. I had the best heating system in all. I had my back patio. I had the, the slab heated. I never turned it on because it took too long to do it. I would just shovel it, but I like, I had it. We got a, like a hot tub. I had a couch that was worth more than my first car and my first car wasn't awful. And now my couch sits in my basement in Airdrie and my kids cram food into it. <laughs> we had his and hers steam showers. Say hallelujah, ladies. We had a separate bathroom, so I didn't have to go into her bathroom ever, which was incredible. She could put her lipstick and, you know, ladies, how do you have 50 kinds of lipstick? You only have one set of lips. Like, just use one till it's gone. And you're like, wait, you're lecturing us right now? You just spent 200,000. Okay, I did. Fair enough. Uh, we built a thousand square feet on the side of the house, 500 up and 500 down. We had a master bedroom. We had his and hers walk-in closets that probably saved our marriage at the time, but... The architect was like, why do you need two? It's such a waste of space. I'm like, shut up. Just give me two walk-in closets. <laughs> we did the best of everything. Fireplaces. I, I could, you could zone the temperature. I didn't have one air conditioner. I had two just because. I, had, I didn't have one staircase. I had two. And then we built another one that goes no place just for show. One going up, one going down. Fiddler on the roof. No cultured people in the house. Okay. Um, I mean, and this is in a town where most people are heating their houses with coal probably still. I put like a $100,000 heating system into that house. It was beautiful. The one guy told me like that my heating loop with the copper pipe took more time to solder, he said, than he, than he would in, a, in, a, in an apartment building. <laughs> and it was beautiful. I mean, all the pumps and everything. Oh yeah, it was amazing. Um, I had a man cave, which was the hardest thing that I had to give up to come to Airdrie to plant a church. I mean, the devil was trying to kill me every day, but that man cave, man, I think about that all the time. It was beautiful. It looked like an Irish pub. It was awesome. I had surround speakers. Oh Lord, if you would bless me and return what I gave up. That was probably a bad purchase in the first place. Um, now here's, here's what I just want to say, because I don't have time to get into it. Um, but the fastest way to feel successful and to have extra, the fastest way is to track and discipline your spending. The fastest way. Don't try to go out and make more money. Because you can make more money, you're just going to waste more money and end up in the same spot that you're in right now. The only thing you control 100% of is how much you spend. And you can keep telling yourself, like, well, I got the heating bill. And I, yeah, there is the heating bill. I understand that. But pretty well everything else is like a, a decision to spend money on those sorts of things. Um, I'm going to get into our budget. I'm going to tell you how much four adults right now, because we have two kids over 18, and, and uh, four adults and two kids, how, how much we spend a month on groceries and living. Like, just give it a sec, you're gonna be super curious about that. But listen, if we could today just kind of pinpoint one thing, find the hole in the bottom of the boat, find the biggest hole, which is kind of your emotional spend, the one line item in your budget that you may or may not have yet, but the one line item that you tend to spend because it, it makes you feel a certain way. You're trying to scratch an emotional itch. You're trying to like still prove to your dad by driving a better car that you look successful. Um, you're still trying to like do something that it makes you feel secure. And I'm gonna tell you about why we feel emotional about some of these things. So, um, but making more won't help plug the leak. Listen, making more money just helps. And if you won't do it, 
for heaven's sake, teach your teenagers to so that at least somebody will support you when you run out of money. Making more money won't help plug the leak. It'll just buy more buckets and then everybody in your life gets to help you bail the boat out. And it doesn't matter how big of a boat you have if everybody is helping you bail all the time. Bail because you're always angry, you're always frustrated, you're always fearful, you're always grasping for more, you're always panicky, you're always... And everybody around you has got to grab a bucket when they're around you and help you bail because you can't just talk normally because you're under this financial pressure because you've got a hole in the boat and it's filling up with water. I think people would be happier in a smaller boat if they didn't have to bail. Joy does not come from bailing boats out. Joy comes when everybody's like secure and safe and, and, and part of that is just your budget. Now, um, we always say this, like, if I had more, then I'd feel more secure. If I made more, then I would. Not true. If I made more, I would give more. Also not true. Listen, emotionally, giving $10 is way easier than giving $100. Even if you make more, giving $100 is more emotionally difficult when God's like, hey, I want you to give some away because this life is not about that and I need some seed for your future. So for your future, so I want you to give this away. You think that giving $100 is easier than giving $10. It never is. And so if you can't start with some of these things, and if you can't budget when you have a little, don't think that when you have more, you're going to be able to budget. It's much more difficult when you have more money to actually learn the disciplines that you could learn when you have a small amount. Now, there's no magic number of income that makes it less emotional to start. No magic number. I heard a story. I think Pastor Andy Stanley told the story of somebody who sold a company for like a billion dollars and he talked to them after. It was like a crazy amount, hundreds of millions. It was, it was some in, insane amount of money that he talks to them afterwards and, and the wife was like, and they were like young. The wife was like, well, yeah, but you never know what's going to happen. And he's like, are you kidding me? Then he realized there's no magic amount of money that will make you feel secure. Listen, security is not how much you make, it's who you're with. That's what makes you feel secure, who you're with. Let's get our money into the hands of the Lord so that we can relax a little bit. Then, if you do make mistakes, the Lord is still there to pick you up, to love you, to cover you, to guide you, and to put you in a church where we preach about money and you get your feelings hurt. All right. Um, now, good to great with money are miles away from each other. And, and nobody says, like, I'm really, really bad with money. I mean, if you're really honest, maybe you would. But Pastor Aaron and I, we were good with money. But good to great are miles away from each other. Um, we were generous with God already when we first got married. We always gave a tenth back to God. We always gave on top of that as well. But um, so God did protect us in a lot of ways. We didn't blow money on, on what a lot of people blew money on that we saw. In fact, we were maybe the best of the people that we knew with money. But that didn't make us great with money. And when you get great with money and you really start handling it the way that God is trying to guide you, you come under the anointing of heaven and God starts adding what I call a multiplication factor to your resources. And so we went through Dave Ramsey's Financial Freedom uh, University, which we offer here in January. Scan the code on the chair in front of you and sign up today for it. Because that's really the only way that's going to like discipline you through. It'll talk about debt and how we pay debt off, and it works. There's a once-in-a-lifetime anointing that God has put on Dave Ramsey to help you get successful because if reaching the world takes resources to do, God wants his kids, A, not to worry about money ever again. I never want my girls to wake up worrying about money or to marry a man who wakes up worrying about money or treating stuff and his golf clubs like it's more important than them. Stuff is just stuff. Money is a tool. 
But God doesn't want you worrying about it. And God wants to use you to channel resources so that we can reach the people around us. Because you're here to connect with God and connect with people. And you'll never find your purpose until you help somebody else find their purpose. And that takes resources. So, um, so Pastor Aaron's emotional itch in groceries. Do you want to hear this? I've already told you mine. And it was like a $200,000 one. So hers was a bit smaller. Uh, it was groceries. It was having a food full of fridge, uh, a food full of fridge. I told you my brain's all over the place. Fridge full of food. Now, um, her parents got divorced. I think, you know, your childhood kind of warps you a little bit sometimes. And, and her parents' marriage didn't work out. She, you were at camp, I think. This is, I'm Pastor Corey, by the way, if we haven't met. Did I forget that part too? I'm all over the place. I shouldn't be up here. Uh, that's Pastor Erin. Isn't she lovely? She, but she used to have problems with groceries, everybody. Um, and so her emotional spend was groceries. So she came back from camp. Did you, get, did you give your life to Jesus at that camp? Oh, she, then she came back and surprised her mom had moved out of the family farm and was getting a divorce and moved into the, the city, into a little place in the city, right? What? Well, what happened? Oh, you were moving to a house? Oh, when did you go to the apartment? I thought that happened then. You got to get your story straight. <laughs> the divorce happened. Oh. Um, so basically, <laughs> so the moral of the story is. <laughs> but when you leave the financial security of something like that, and you move into a place, and then you have no furniture. And when we moved back to, to, uh, to Disbury, that's the town that we came from, from Los Angeles. You know, like we didn't have a lot. We came with like a skidoo trailer of stuff. That's all the stuff that we brought, you know, you, and it does something in your heart and in your, in your psyche that there's not enough. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and so for her, her sense of security came from opening the fridge and it just being full of everything. Now, every week we would be throwing out vegetables and we'd be throwing out things that we couldn't eat. And that would drive me crazy because I didn't really understand she was scratching a security itch that it just made her feel not successful, it just made her calm down and feel okay. Now, create an emergency budget so that you can calm down. I always have extra money in this account. The church always has cash reserves because I, it's the only thing that'll calm me down. It's just like, hey, there's reserves there, it's emergency. If the rooftop unit, we can, you know what I'm saying? It just kind of calms everything down. I don't have time to get into all of that. Just go to Financial Freedom Group, because that will set your, so we went, anyways, uh, give me a sec. So, she could not, she tried to like plug the holes in her soul with food in the fridge, which doesn't work because then it gets all rotty and stuff. And so we never quite get around to eating all the food and stuff. Um, and so what she's learned how to do now is trust the Lord. And in Airdrie, we live by like 15 grocery stores. And so if we run out of milk, we run out of milk and then we go get milk. And every week she now has the faith to let the fridge run empty. So you can do the thing and go to Costco and buy 50 pounds of olive oil and be like, but it's so cheap, you know, per 100 grams, it's, such, it's budget. Yeah, but it's going to sit there for five years. You're never going to use it all. You're better to pay a little more money every week to buy what you need or every month just to buy what you need. You're better to spend less, especially if you owe money because you're paying interest on money somewhere. Generally, if you have a house, you're paying interest on that money. 
And so the idea is, but it's also a principle of you're supposed to be praying every day for God to give you your daily bread. And when you stockpile things and hoard things to make your soul feel okay, you're not trusting God anymore. You're trusting yourself. And then you tend to overspend and panic buy. And it's why during COVID, and my wife hated me a little bit when, when she's like, they just put toilet paper out in Costco. You remember the great toilet paper scare of 2020? <laughs> Who here, went, if they had COVID, used more toilet paper? It's why, and she hated me, she's like, can I just stock up? And I'm like, no, because if toilet paper puts a gun to our head, we got problems. God will provide, and if not, we'll just take more showers. Come on, somebody, say amen. Like, we are not going to let the devil put a toilet paper gun to our head and panic about that. Let it run out. I don't care. Let somebody else take it if that's what they need right now so that they don't go crazy and eat their own kids. You know, like, I mean, if they need that, then let them do that, but we're not going to fall for that trap. And so she has now, because she trusts in God, she now we saved us between six and seven hundred dollars a month. And we didn't buy some of this crap that you guys buy. We don't eat lobster every day like Jesse and Tia. We don't. I was kidding. Jesse doesn't know what lobster is. Six or seven hundred dollars a month. What would you do with an extra eight grand a year? Now here's the deal. We we got disciplined about it. We eat better now than we used to eat. We just have to plan ahead. Every grocery list we go through together and fight. And then she comes back with the grocery list. And, and here's the thing, six or $700 a month and we eat better. Why? Because God is in it this time around. Um, now here, you wanna hear our, our budget, our, our monthly budget for groceries and we live well, like we consider that we live well. Our monthly budget for groceries for like four adults and two kids. Now they're girls. So like they'll eat popcorn sometimes and that call that a meal. If you got boys, I don't know, raise chickens or something. Um, do something. Um, so our entire grocery budget, our haircut budget. Now I'm really the only one who uses that because Pastor Aaron tried to cut my hair one time and it was not good for our marriage. And I'm like, oh, I can't go out like this. Um, but she'll cut the girl's hair, generally speaking, because we're cheap. And uh, our haircut budget, our toilet paper budget, our household incidentals budget, we just group it all together because it works well for us to do that way. You probably need to break it down when you're first starting. Um, but that is like our, I don't know what else is in there. Like if I buy a, show, a snow shovel or decorating or like, what we use in the house every month for us, a family of six, is $975 right now a month. And we live really, really, really well because we track every single dollar that we spend. Um, what would you do to live well? Because some of you, your budgets are far more than that for less people because of the things that you're buying. Now, if you wanna make decisions and, and you earn enough and you wanna eat this type of food or this is more expensive or you're, you know, maybe you eat healthier than we do. We do eat decently healthy, but um, we eat garbage too, because garbage is fun. But it's this idea of like, yeah, you're going to have to find that money in your budget and take it from something else. You're going to have to, if you want to live like rich, like here, then you have to live poor in some other area because you can't just live rich everywhere and hope it doesn't catch up with you. Now, um, that was just one line item of our budget. It was like $8,000 $8, a year or something like that. One line item. 
We saved tens of thousands of dollars a year, which was good because I came out of the trades and I was making decent money at the time for the trades, but now trades make real money. That was like 15 years ago or whatever. Now trades make like real money now. I don't know how, uh, but like, um, so I took like a $40,000 pay cut to start pastoring. And, and here's the deal. When we got our, our spending under control, we didn't miss it. It's not what you make. It's what you spend. Um, now, you got to find your motivation. You want to know what my motivation is? you got to find your personality motivation. I'm an H on the Enneagram. I hate losing. Oh, I hate it. I hate it worse than I hate the devil. And I hate the devil. I hate losing. I hate losing. Every month, I win at the budget. And I do this like, look at this guy right here, baby. Let's make out. I love winning i hate losing and when that line item gets read i hate it i just like ooh, the devil's in there let's fix it now pastor aaron's motivation is she hates conflict i love conflict y'all know me but listen if she spends what's in the budget we don't have anything to fight about because what am i going to say we sat down we put the budget in charge that's the thing too like whoever controls the money controls the relationship I feel like I got really quiet because you feel guilty. Whoever controls the money controls the relationship. It's not good for one of you to control all of the money. Now, one of you might be better and might be like the accountant type and might be responsible because I know some of you. But what you have to do is put the budget in charge of the money. You got to sit down. You got to pray. You got to go get counsel. You need to go and talk to the Warinkas. You need to like, hey, we're bringing pizza over. Can you go through our budget with us? You need to go through it with the Gibsons or the Fergusons. We got people. Talk to Crystal. She will hook you up with good budgety people. You need to go sit down, submit it, and be like, hey, here's what we make. Here's what, what do you think? Because they work through it, and they will, you will find thousands of dollars in that budget. No matter how big your budget is or how small it is, you'll find it. And so um, where was I going with all that? Oh, yeah. Find your motivation. We don't fight about it because it's in the budget that we agreed to it. Now, if she comes back with something that we both agreed to, what am I going to argue with her about? But if I start spending things emotionally that's not in the budget, she has every right to give me heck for it and to tear a strip off of me and be like, what are you doing? You're paying for Starbucks kids to go through college. We have kids that are unschooled. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, now, listen, everybody will be happy to advise you on your budget, especially people who owe a lot, a lot of money. Because misery likes company. And uh, I love you as well, but um, you need to, to get this good budget app on your phone. And here's, here's my bu good budget app. I'm just going to go through it uh, before I end. It's just like too practical to preach about. Um, money is mentioned more in the Bible than nearly anything else. Because God knew if, if he'd control the money and if he could control our resources, he could control our hearts and he could actually get us into emotionally healthy places, relationally healthy places, because your, your heart follows where your treasure goes. And so if, if we give God control of that and really, you know, set down to live in disciplined lives, then God can do things in our lives that we can't do. Now, here's the first line item of our budget every month is giving. We give before we pay the electricity bill. We give before we pay any taxes. We give a tenth off the top, and we give quite a bit more than that, actually, because we remember where all of this comes from with God. Um, we do that because we won't cheat God first. If anybody else doesn't get paid, we can live with that. But if God doesn't get paid, uh, returned his own resources is what it says. And I'll, I'll give a little bit of teaching about that as we move on. But giving is first. Then we have, like, our loan payments and our debt for you know, for the house really is what it is. And so um, 
there's, and now Dave Ramsey will tell you what to borrow money for and what not to borrow money for, what to pay cash for and all of that. So we have our loan payments that comes out. Then we have now in no particular order, I'm just going to go through it. You want to hear it? We have a car upkeep budget. That's kind of a little bit of fun money for me because I like washing my car. And so like we put X number of dollars every month in case we needed a set of tires or in case something burns out or in case I got to replace the alternator. We're not panicking and freaking out. I'm like, oh my goodness, my car broke down again. We're like, I have money in the bank account. If we need new windshield wipers, I don't have to worry about it because it's sitting there. That's what it's sitting there for. It's called a zero based budget, meaning at the end of the month, if it's zero, that's okay because that's what you've already decided to spend. And sometimes we'll spend a little more in our gasoline budget. We might travel a little bit more Then I have to like sneak some out of like entertainment, which is another one of our budgets. Entertainment is like, if we go to see a movie as a family or go to eat out, um, there's the utilities budget. Um, there's the insurance budget. Here's what I would say. Shop your insurance around. Don't be loyal to a company. Be loyal to the family. I save $1,600 a year on insurance because I shopped it around because the one company that I really love that insures half of my stuff had bad house insurance and $1,600 a year. Did I say my, a year? That's a lot of money. I'm like, I'm not that loyal. I'll take it over here. You know, um, the clothing budget, that's mostly my budget. I get to buy like a new preaching shirt every week if I want to on the clearance rack winners for $11. Now it's, it's important. If you have an Enneagram seven in your house, who's like the party person and stuff like that, they hate budget. Like there's like, Oh, stab me with something quick. You need to give them a little bit of money every month. It's fun money that they could buy something real stupid with. Come on, Layton, say amen. It's just like, give them a little something just so we can buy something dumb. It's just so, you know, and then you, and don't argue with them about it. Just be like, hey, this is your stupid money. You can buy whatever you want to with it. Give them 50 bucks or, you know, whatever. Um, here's another one that's in our, our budget, our vacation budget. When we go on vacations and we go on quite a few vacations, we have stored the money up and we pay for that. We're not spending on credit. We're not deciding there. We often don't do excursions. When we go, we'll do, I'd rather do two four-star vacations than one five-star vacation because then I get to go twice for the same amount of money. So that's just how we think about it. Now go to the five-star if that's what you save up for. But when we go on vacations, we don't feel guilty about it except for weird church people are like, oh, the church is sending pastor on another vacation. I'm like, I saved my money and dang it, I used to make real money. Back before they make real money now. Anyways, every item we ever buy, we open the app at the till when we take out whatever we're paying with, we take out the budget app at the till and enter it in. And every single time we do it in every purchase that we do at the coffee shop, wherever we get to see where everything is, just knowing keeps you from spending more money because you bleed a little bit and then you got to look at it. You're like, oh, okay, okay. Better slow that down. Oh, I got a little extra in here. I'm going to go wash my car. Um, now listen, faith comes from faithfulness and the faithful enter God's rest. Let's be faithful with the resources that God has given us and sign up for that financial freedom group. It will change your life. I think we did that six or eight years ago. It is shocking how well we have done since then because we just gave God, we said, we're just gonna do whatever God wants us to do with this and the Lord has blessed us and turned and blessed us and turned and blessed us some more.